Hey, what's going on, guys? My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins, and um, I'm from the Black Business School. And I wanted to take a second to um, talk about something uh, that relates to what I call Black financial addiction. And um, it really talks about economic vulnerabilities in terms of what it is that keeps us um, enslaved as a community, uh, what keeps us impoverished, what keeps us uh, from being free. You know, um, I have a lot of friends who talk about, uh, you know, the fact that they can't say the things they want to say, uh, they can't do the things they want to do, uh, they feel oppressed. And um, I'm not just talking about people that have no education or no income. I'm talking about people that have MBAs and PhDs uh, who make over $100,000 a year, uh, who have the best jobs that, that are available. Uh, but they still feel stuck. They still feel like slaves in certain ways. So you might ask, you know, how does a person feel like a slave and feel oppressed when they're actually doing quite well financially or otherwise? Um, well, it goes deeper into understanding, you know, what addictions do and how addictions work and how addictions can limit uh, our freedoms. Uh, so let's talk about financial addiction, Black financial addiction. Well, uh, two reasons that Black people tend to be stuck uh, in terms of freedom and mobility and opportunity in America is, one, we are addicted to commodities that are controlled by other people. And then, two, uh, we don't have another supplier for these commodities. We've, they've got a monopoly on us. And if you study economic theory, uh, two ways that companies can exploit consumers is by getting people addicted to a product and then creating a monopoly. Well, uh, when it comes to white supremacy, white folks, uh, they control a lot of our economic purse strings. Uh, they control a lot of our opportunity to access the funds that we might think that we need. Um, they, they control our opportunity uh, to not just obtain money, but also our opportunity to even uh, rise in society, right? You know, you, you grow up and you think you want to, you know, get a fancy job and be a high-level manager at, at the plant or whatever. Well, there's usually a white man who's standing at the gate, guarding the door, deciding if you get that opportunity. You want to get into a university or white people control the universities. You're a black person trying to get on TV or white people call, white people on the media outlets. So, so they control not just our access to income, but our access to opportunity. So um, I'm going to talk about that addiction for a second and how that works and, and give you an easy context to understand it. And then I'm going to talk about a quick solution. So that first aspect, becoming addicted to resources, uh, particularly money that, that's controlled by white people relates to a couple of things. It relates to the fact that one, everybody needs money, right? Everybody needs money, um, but uh, not everybody needs money in the same way. Some of us are financially secure where uh, we, we can use money, but if our income gets shut off, we're going to be okay. Uh, some of us uh, are financially insecure. Uh, also, some of us have a need for material possessions. You know, we need Gucci, we need uh, Louis, we need uh, brand name this and brand name that. Some people don't need those things. Uh, and so people who tend to be financially secure and or don't have high needs for material possessions tend to be financially freer than people who are not financially secure, who really need to have the nicest of everything. So uh, the worst case scenario when it comes to economic addiction and oppression is if you're like, say, a rapper who lives paycheck to paycheck, uh, you got to do your next show so you can make your money or whatever, and you become accustomed to a really high level lifestyle that you're only affording in a paycheck to paycheck kind of way. So your, um, your supply of Jordans and Gucci and Rolex watches far exceeds your supply 
of, you know, of uh, stocks, bonds, real estate, right? So you've got no financial security, but a heavy financial need. Uh, if you don't have what you need and you really need what you don't have, then the person who has what you need is going to have control over you. So financial freedom doesn't just mean making a lot of money. Financial freedom means reducing your dependence upon money by creating financial security and also not getting caught up in keeping up with the Joneses and the material stuff. What's the second layer of Black economic oppression and Black economic addiction? Uh, the second layer comes down to not just having a need for something that you don't have, right? A lack of financial security, a need for, uh, for material possessions, but also only having one supplier of that drug, right? If you think about the relationship between a drug dealer and a drug addict, imagine being a drug addict where you're addicted to cocaine and you need lots of cocaine every day. Uh, you don't have coca leaves that you grow in your backyard. Uh, you don't know how to get your own cocaine. Uh, but you know one guy who can give you all the cocaine, all the crack that you need, right? So you're a drug addict, so you need the drug. Uh, you uh, don't have a supply of the drug that, that's independent, you know, so you're not growing the cannabis or the coke in, in your backyard. And then also you've got one guy, just one, who has a complete monopoly on whether or not you get access to that drug. Well, if you want to know what slavery looks like, that's what slavery looks like. Uh, the reason it looks that way is because if, if you don't have access to what you need, you're going to go crazy. You're going to be, you're going to have anxiety. You're going, your emotions are going to be moved up and down. Uh, you're going to be easily manipulated by the person who supplies the one thing that you need. You see this happen sometimes even in love relationships, right? You, you know, baby, you got what I need. You, you got what I need, right? So you got everything I need and I really, really need you. Um, and you're the only person who can give me what I need. And so a manipulative person can really play with your emotions in that way. Uh, so the same way it can happen in love, the same thing can happen in economics. So what I see in America is that black people in many cases become economic slaves uh, because one, we need, we need the white man's money. We don't, we don't typically talk a lot about financial security. We don't talk about saving, investing, uh, you know, buying real estate and, and, and owning assets is not as cool as owning a Gucci bag or owning a pair of Jordans or whatever, right? So you don't have the financial security in a lot of families. You also have a, an intense need for these, um, these uh, material possessions. And then also you, white folks have a monopoly on you. From the time you're born, you're trained for this monopoly. From the time you're born, you're trained to depend on their system and their system only to get what you need. From the time you're born, you're trained and filled with enough propaganda to be led to believe that the only pathway to heaven is through the white man. That the only, like, just like they tell you Jesus is the only way to God. Well, the, the, you're taught that the only way to prosperity, the only way to success, the only way to validation, the only way to economic uh, opportunity is through the white man. So that's through the white man's schools. That's through uh, working for the white man. Yeah, that's why you. That's why we give billions of dollars every year to white universities. That's why we spend billions of dollars every year on white-owned products. We give billions of dollars in in human capital every year to white companies that hire us for jobs because we never learn how to make money outside of that system. So, uh, so if you if you want to turn your child into an economic slave, here's what you do. If you want your child to be an economic slave, one. Only teach them how to get a job. 
Never teach them how to start a business. Never teach them how to buy assets. Never teach them how to own real estate. Never teach them all the different ways that they can skin their economic cat. Teach them that the only way they can have money is if they have a job. And if the white man ain't hiring, they gonna starve to death. I had a conversation with a young brother and I had to, I had to almost yell at him because that's what he said to me. He, he had a new daughter. And I said, so how are things going with you and your daughter? He said, well, you know, the white man ain't hiring. And I said, please, man, don't ever say that to me again. I can't, I'm allergic. I'm allergic to that type of coonery. I can't take it. And we're not going, we're not doing that. We're not, you're a man. You're taking care of your family. You don't say that the only way I can take care of my family is if another man gives me the opportunity to be a man. Well, if another man has to give you the opportunity to be a man, then you ain't a man, right? So, so, you know, uh, so at the end of the day, um, you know, only giving them a, a monopoly is a very bad move. And that is why you see a lot of black people that are enslaved because they don't, they cannot imagine a world in which they piss off white folks. They can't imagine that. They, 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 they live in fear of that. Like when I was at Syracuse University, um, my biggest concern was that if I got too black and too radical and spoke too much racial truth, that I would get blackballed from universities because white people talk, right? And it happened. I did get blackballed. A lot of white universities that claimed that they were looking for black PhDs. I have, I have a PhD in finance. That's extremely rare. Even among white people, it's really rare. Among black people, it's virtually non-existent. There are a few of us out there, but we're like pink unicorns. Um, a, lot, a lot of these white universities did not want to hire me because I was too black. So I confronted my worst nightmare of being blackballed from my profession. And you know what happened? I found another way. I found another supplier of the things I needed. I went around the system as opposed to thinking that I can only survive within the system. Now, let me tell you what happens to people who can't do that. People who don't do that, they go crazy. They they, they, they spend their lives, lives mad. Uh, they, they're, they're just stressed out. Some of them start drinking and using drugs and have to go see a therapist because... Uh, because they've taken something away from you and they toggle with your emotions by basically saying, and this is a type of white supremacy, they basically tell you the only way you can be successful is if we help you. So you have to wait for us to decide that we're going to help you before you actually get any help. That's what that's where you get a whole industry of black people who do nothing but go around the country explaining racism to white people, right? You're convincing white people to be nicer to you because you're thinking, well, if you just stop beating me, if you just stop disrespecting me, if you just stop spitting on me um, and give me a little bit, just give me some crumbs, then I can work with your crumbs, right? And, uh, and I, I can't, I don't have those conversations. I'm not very good at explaining to racist white people how to be good people. Um, if you're not a good person, I don't think it's my job to teach you how to be a good person. My job is to uh, stand up to you and to deal with you and to make sure that if you are, even if you are a, good, a, a bad person, you're not going to uh, express that that villainous behavior toward me, right? So, uh, so you go deeper. So remember, the two ways that they get on, that they that they enslave you is one, they they create this monopoly. The only way you can be successful is if we approve of you. Most of your black celebrities are in that category. That's why they all speak sort of the same tune. That's why they all kind of do the same thing. Uh, the only ones who are a little bit different, like for example, Ice Cube is a little different. And I think that's for two reasons. One, he has a strong black identity. And two, he's a boss. He's, he's on his way to being a billionaire one day. So he owns assets. And because he owns assets, which gets to my second point, the financial security piece, uh, because he owns assets and he has a strong black identity and he's found ways to make money that don't depend necessarily on the system, he's able to actually have a little more freedom and a little more latitude to say what really needs to be said, to go where the problem actually lies, to present the solutions that the situation calls for at that particular moment. So again, let's, let's break this down real quick. 
uh, the few ways that slavery uh, is implemented on black people to this day is one, you give them a, a monopoly on your economic uh, opportunity and your economic security. They, 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 they have, have convinced many of you that the only way you can have success is through them, right? The second thing that they've done is they've convinced you to do two things, to walk away from financial security and to walk toward gluttonous, irresponsible consumerism. That's a very bad thing. That's like a double whammy. One, you're not financially secure, and the little bit of money that you get, you're wasting it on silly things, right? So smart financial people are people that try their best to minimize the amount of worthless consumerism. Doesn't mean you can't enjoy a Gucci bag. Doesn't mean I'm gonna make fun of you if you have a pair of red bottoms. Doesn't mean you can't go buy a Mercedes Benz, but you have to prioritize. Prioritization means that before I go buy the Benz, I'm gonna make sure my stock portfolio is, 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 is set up, or I'm gonna make sure my business is good and I'm gonna reward myself with the Benz. Uh, you know, before I go buy me a pair of red bottoms, I'm gonna go buy that house, that rental property, and reward myself with a pair of red bottoms, right? So the, the, the financial security is, is the main course. The materialism is the dessert, right? Dessert is okay. Dessert is not a bad thing. Chocolate cake is not against the law, but you shouldn't eat chocolate cake before you eat your vegetables, right? So let's think about it in the chocolate cake framework. I want to make sure you walk away from this with a life-changing lesson. This is something that is uh, something that you're not learning at universities uh, because they, they're, they're designed to get you dependent on the system. You're not really hearing this in mainstream media, which is designed to get you dependent on the system. You're hearing it in voice media, media that I own, that uh, where nobody's telling me what to say. Nobody told me to do this video. Nobody knows I'm doing this video except for the people that are watching the video right now, right? As I'm doing this video, no one knows I'm doing this video. Nobody gave me approval to do this video. And a lot of people couldn't do this video because it took many, many years of financial expertise at the absolute highest levels for me to come to these insights. I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you, it takes time to figure these things out. So let's use the chocolate cake analogy. So let's say that your goal is to have food. Your, your money is like your food. Uh, so you got to eat every day. Right, so you can you, you're going to eat chocolate cake along with um, a healthy meal. Right, you're going to eat a healthy meal, chocolate cake, and you got to find a place to get your cake. Right, uh, so uh, the worst way to eat that meal is to eat only chocolate cake and ignore the healthy part, and then also to let your oppressor be the sole provider of your food because they're going to poison the damn cake. Right, they they and then and then when they and then when they get you addicted to cake and you're fat and old, you know you're old, you're obese with diabetes and and all these other things that kill black people, then they're going to toggle with your emotions and they're going to say, hey, if you don't do what I say, I'm going to take away your supply of chocolate cake, or if you don't vote for who I tell you to vote for, I'm going to take away your chocolate cake. If you don't do what I say, Negro, uh, I'm going to take away your chocolate cake. You keep talking that pro-black stuff, I'm going to take away your chocolate cake. Right. So then you're sitting there, you're the, this you're, you're the sad chubby kid who's whose feelings are hurt, who's really depressed because you're dying, you're sick from diabetes and you can't even get the chocolate cake. So you're hungry at the same time and your self-esteem is shot because the person you depended on for your self-esteem is not even giving that to you, right? A better approach would be to say, you know what? I want a healthy meal with chocolate cake. Um, I'm going to make the meal myself. I'm either going to make the meal myself or I'm going to go to the Black-owned restaurant to get that meal because I know that they're more likely to give me healthy food and to give me something that makes sense for me. And I'm going to have a list of places I can go to get the food so that I'm not dependent on one place to eat, right? Then at that point, I'm going to eat something really healthy. 
And then once I eat the healthy food, I'm going to reward myself with a piece of homemade chocolate cake that I made myself as opposed to, or maybe I bought it from a black person instead of saying, I'm going to go buy buy the white man's chocolate cake and become an addict. So that's the difference. That is the difference. You know, so the first extreme example is what you see maybe with rappers or athletes or people that follow that culture who get caught up in, in all the white man's money. They get all excited because they're getting paid, you know, to do this and do that. And then next thing you know, that, that supply gets cut off and they're destitute. They're struggling. They're, they're in a really bad spot, a really tough situation. But then you have economically healthy people who have plenty of stocks, bonds, and real estate, who are starting businesses, who are buying black, who have uh, multiple ways of skinning the cat, who are teaching their children how to do the same thing. And you find that those people in that second category are much freer than those who are in the first category. When I listen to, for example, speech uh, on television or speech from black people, prominent black people, you know, and you're distinguishing between black leaders and leading blacks, like leading blacks are black people that are selected by white people to come talk to you. Black leaders are people that are truly independent, truly free, truly capable of leading. First thing I look at when I'm looking at somebody who's uh, who's prominent is uh, to figure out if they're a black leader or a leading black is I ask myself, how free are you? How free are you? Are you eating healthy food with low chocolate cake and, and able to supply your own meal? Or are you the fat kid or no disrespect to fat people? No disrespect. I used to be a fat man myself. I'm trying to work on it. It's always an uphill battle. But are you the chubby kid who's addicted to chocolate cake who only knows how to go get it from the white man? Because if you listen to a drug addict, if you let a drug addict tell you what to do and what to say and how, what to believe, the drug addict is only going to repeat the words of the drug pusher. You cannot be led by a drug addict. A lot of your favorite black people out here are drug addicts. A lot of your favorite black people on TV are addicted. So you don't listen to an addict. You don't let an addict tell you to do anything because an addict isn't speaking with their own words. An addict doesn't have the freedom and latitude to go in certain spaces. The addict, the addict does not have power. The addict is simply transmitting power that is controlled by someone else. They are the puppet, and the puppet master is the person who's really doing the talking. But a, but a free black man, free black woman can say what needs to be said. They're not really worried about what people are going to think. Their self-esteem is intact. Their, 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 uh, their, their finances are good, so they're not worried about somebody cutting their purse strings. Uh, and, and, and they're able to better give you something that's really going to make sense and actually fit with what you're trying to do. So when you hear black folks say things that don't make no sense, in my mind, if you want to know what goes through my mind, I'm sitting there thinking, okay, somebody owns this person. Somebody owns this guy. But then you got some folks that say what needs to be said, they do what needs to be done. And uh, that's what I think we should aim for as a people is freedom. And But in order to obtain freedom, we must know what freedom looks like. And freedom definitely at the very least means you are free from various addictions because addictions make you a slave, whether it's drugs and alcohol or money. Professor Andrew Lowe at MIT explained that money affects your brain just like just like cocaine. So you can become addicted to money the same way you can become addicted to crack, addicted to heroin, addicted to sugar, addicted to all these other things. So don't be an addict. Go out and learn how to be free. I'm out of here, guys. Uh, have a good day. If you like a free e-copy of my book, It Takes a Village to Raise the Bar, that's my paradigm, my vision for Black America, my frame of thought that I believe is going to lead us into tremendous power in the 21st century and beyond. Uh, you can have the book absolutely free, totally free. Just go to allblackeconomics.com. That's allblackeconomics.com. I'm out of here, guys. Have a good day. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Peace.